Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! 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 <laughs> there it is again. There it is again. You, um, there it is again. It's funny. It gets funnier every time. I know. Just really yeah, for the fans. The reviews, the reviews say they love it, and um, that's um, yeah, that's what we do it for. It's for the fans. So, Lucas, what's up, man? You've had a busy couple weeks. Tell me about it. Yeah, uh, it has been a, a pretty busy couple weeks for people that are going to end up seeing this in the video form. Um, I am not in my usual recording spot right now. I'm actually in Oregon. I'm in Corvallis, Oregon, mm-hmm, uh, the mm-hmm. town that the town that I grew up in. Um, I think I've talked about this on the show. Several times, um, I moved to California for college, although I'm originally from Pomona, California, and uh, grew up for a time in the small town of Corvallis, college town, uh, Oregon State University, go Beavs, and um, visiting some friends up here, um, kind of missed out on a good portion of, I, I try to come back during the summer, um, it's it's pretty, summers in the Pacific Northwest are, are pretty amazing. Lots of great hiking, um, great outdoor stuff. The weather is just completely perfect. And um, did some camping last weekend with some friends. Oh, saw the re- saw the redwoods on the way up. Sheesh, um, magical. Yeah. So it it was it was really really something seeing the redwoods. Oh yeah, I love ten that. out of ten. Highly recommend. And while you were traveling, I was lying in bed sweating with a fever. <laughs> yeah, tell us. I have tell us been about that one. I don't, I don't know what the story is on that one, honestly. It just kind of happened. I woke up, had a fever. Thankfully, no COVID symptoms at all, and I got tested and was COVID-free, but it's kind of like, Jesus, what the hell? <laughs> I, um, it was, I think it's tonsillitis. I had one tonsil that was messed up like two months ago, and now it's the other tonsil that was messed up. So, I don't know. Lucky me, I guess we, uh, <laughs> I guess we came full circle on that one. Um, I digress. But yeah. we're feeling better. We're feel, feeling healthy despite the trials and tribulations you and I have both faced <laughs> these past couple weeks. <laughs> it has been um, crazy. It has been crazy. It has been a whirlwind for other reasons as well. Some heavy life decisions have come up into a play that we will announce at a later date, probably. But anyways, yeah. um, amid amid all the craziness of these past couple weeks, um, we have stuck to our commitments and we have done the the thing that needed to be done which was play video games, but before we're, we're, I, <laughs> I know we're say, so we're, we're so brave. We chose the best. We chose, <laughs> we're so brave. We chose so brave. during the one of the busiest times. So just so everybody knows, you know, we we try and stack recordings as much as we can well beforehand, right? So the last three yeah. weeks, I think, I think the last three weeks have all been recorded well before. Um, At least so, like three or four weeks ahead. Yeah, yeah. We just had an episode drop on mobile gaming last week. But that would have been recorded about three weeks before it was launched. So pretty, yeah. pretty crazy scheduling, a lot of time traveling going on. And we knew it was because we had a long game to play and we had some busy life stuff going on. I was coming up here to Oregon. Matt was planning on getting sick with tonsillitis, obviously. Yep. And yep. we chose <laughs> just the just the easiest, shortest game with no complexity at all. For for our game this week, for all the busyness, yeah. it's pretty great. But but before we announce that game, I would like to remind everyone, um, you know, as always, uh, we're we're trying to get more active on the social media these days: YouTube, Twitter, 
TikTok, Instagram. We got it. Um, you can follow us on all those except YouTube. I'm actually not sure how to best like our YouTube URL. Go to our link trees. Um, but you can follow <laughs> us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. And you're welcome to shoot us an email over at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. Um, maybe you have a game suggestion. Maybe you have a comment. Uh, maybe you just want to chat. Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. And as well, as always, make sure you know you subscribe, follow, leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. I'd like to highlight the most recent review we had left um, on Apple Podcasts right. by someone by the name of Eco Goth. Um, not sure what that's referenced to. Um, so Eco Goth says on August 6, 2021, favorite gaming podcast. Ooh. So happy to have this podcast in my life. Their format for their reviews are creative, fun, and engaging. It is the perfect podcast to listen to when you want to play a game, but aren't able to when you're driving, working, etc. I really love the diversity of the games they cover, and both hosts have really insightful discussions. They cover topics from sound, visuals, and more, and I feel like it even helps my own game knowledge. Not to mention, the hosts are pretty funny. Keep up the good work. <laughs> awesome. Just Thank you, Eco Goth. Wonderful you, review. Eco-Goth. Five stars, may I add. Uh, wonderful review. We really appreciate it. Um, and all, all that self-plugging aside and that little catch-up on my and Lucas's um, you know, our little um, trials and tribulations, you know, um, Despite um, having recently played Alan Wake, Lucas did not go to the PNW to be <laughs> a detective and to do go on a mystery adventure. Instead, he chose to take the mystery with him in the form of a video game to the PNW. And that is right, everyone. Today, we are talking about the number one disco drug alcohol-fueled detective simulator, Disco Elysium. Cue whirling rags, maybe. out of 10 segue i feel really good about that one actually. and uh byline what are we calling that the byline now your everything's always a simulator uh (laughs) sure yeah Yeah. uh no that was great yeah the uh 2019 detective game disco elysium uh futuristic massive world built uh detective game 10 out of 10 on ign 10 out of 10 on GameSpot. 9 out of 10 on game informer 97 out of 100 on metacritic making it literally the highest rated game on Metacritic under PC games. You can go look that up right now if you don't believe me. Written and directed by the Estonian novelist Robert Kurvitz. Yeah, kind of kind of incredible. Yeah, released October 2019 by Robert um, Kurvitz as the main creator and developer. Of course, he had a great team with them as well, and it was published by their company as well. Um, 
I believe it's just pronounced Zaum actually. Zaum or Z A slash U M. I I I I listened to some interviews and it sounded like it was being pretty consistently pronounced Zaum, but it's stylized and written um, as Z A slash U M. Um, but before we get any more into this video game, um, the <laughs> craziness that is the world of Disco Elysium, uh, I'm gonna do my best here to give a brief synopsis on the game. Uh, spoiler, be honest, spoiler, spoiler warning. spoilers will ensue a bit. Um, I'm gonna do my best to keep it as light as I can without spoiling the ending and everything like that. Uh, and for those of you that have already played this game, you know, you probably th- this was one of the harder synopses to write because it's just so wacky. Um, I'm gonna do my best. So, Set in the world of Elysium, the player takes the role of a lieutenant detective suffering from an incredible bout of drug and alcohol-induced amnesia, only remembering their base personality traits and nothing more. As the detective begins to explore, they meet Detective Kim Kitsuragi, who informs the player that they are in fact actually a detective, and that they were assigned here to solve a murder case with Kim and the city of Revishal, specifically in the Martinez district that is plagued by both poverty, crime, and corruption. The player gradually learns that he is decorated RCM detective Harrier Dubois, a.k.a. Harry. The player explores (laughs) the world, meeting people from various political factions, learns more about their true identity, and eventually solves the murder case, all while having the opportunity to shape the kind of cop they want to be and to make an impact for better, for the better or for the worse for the citizens of Martinez. Sheesh. All Lucas, right. That was actually but, um, a great synopsis. I didn't think you would keep it that. Uh, that was very, very good synopsis. Cause I mean, you could have gone down the rabbit hole there. I'd say <laughs> I was trying, I was trying to keep it tight for the fans. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, there's a lot to unpack in this game and um, we can get into that as well, but yeah, the, I want to kind of talk about the development of this game a little bit because, um, uh, as we mentioned, you know the your your character your character you play as Harry Dubois um, is, for all accounts, a loser. Right? Oh yeah, he's complete, like an old oh, washed up guy. We, you later find out in the game he's actually just a washed up gym teacher that wanted to become a cop, um, and like alcohol, drugs, all of it, ex-wife. and ex wife. Yeah, and he's still not over it 10 years later. Fair enough. Six years, maybe. I forget exactly. Um, yeah, I forgot the number. But it's interesting because, and I'm not trying to you know, slam on the developer here, but Robert Kurvitz wasn't doing too hot before this game came out. Um, I really, It really seems like he pulled a lot from his personal experiences in life and really threw it into this game. Um, he had he was in a band for a while in Estonia. He's Estonian, um, Eastern European for everyone, which kind of might be obvious given kind of some of the very Eastern European feels of this game, I think. Um, but yeah, he, he was just kind of like on a rough, rough luck. You know, he was in this band that didn't really go anywhere too much. Um, he tried releasing a book, which is very much largely um, the book that actually influenced Disco Elysium and the world. It's all set in the same universe, the same world of Elysium. Um, and the book really was kind of a flop, not selling much. Um, and then eventually he got approached by a friend and was like, you should just make a video game instead. And then he was just like, he has okay. a huge tabletop, you know, game board game background too. So really came from, you know, the RPG genre, of course, with board games, D&D being a dungeon master and things like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's actually his background even before he created his first novel, which was called uh, A oh, Sacred and okay. Terrible Air. So A Sacred and Terrible Air is, I believe, a 2013 Estonian novel. Uh, from what I saw, I actually checked the Disco Elysium Reddit, um, and as of February, that was the latest post that I saw, it still had not been released in English, February of this year. So I don't think there's been any news on that one. I think a lot of Disco Elysium fans are waiting for that one to come out. Um, it's uh, obviously, like Matt said, it's set in the same universe, which is pretty cool. Um, it has a sick name, A Sacred and Terrible Air. Sounds really awesome. It sounds um, intense. Yeah. yeah, it sounds intense. <laughs> um, and uh, I think a lot of it is it kind of fits his writing style. And if, if for those of you that have played Disco Elysium, you know, the it's it's very maximal, like as much possible world building that you can do everything from accents of characters to the racial diversity of characters to political factions, certain types of specific drugs that are referenced and mentioned and created. I mean, everything is fictionalized and everything is accounted for. It's insane how how in depth and complex the writing is. It it's crazy that it took him that long to stumble on the fact that he needed to go the video game route because these types of it's video almost, games have been around for a while. Yeah, it's almost hard to call this a game. I feel like because, I mean, I would all. I mean, this is another type of game, but I personally almost put this into the visual novel category because you're doing so much reading in this game. I mean, for context. This um, book or book, Jesus, this video game. Yeah, how has, long is it um, in terms of pages? I don't know about pages, but with er- when all the words were voiced, it had about one million words that needed to be voiced. Ooh, which you know what else context, had a million words? Infinite Jest. The whole Harry. Oh, and for context, this is um, the whole yeah Infinite Jest, and perhaps more <laughs> well known. Um, that is this game is basically the equivalent of the whole Harry Potter series. All seven wow. books from um, from um, <laughs> trying to think of a J.K. Rowling joke, but self-explanatory. Uh, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> um, I don't think there's much that needs so, to be said there. Th- yeah, yeah, that's a that's a whole thing. Um, this game though is incredibly dense, um, incredibly incredibly dense, and I mean. This was one of the longer games we've actually played for the podcast. I think I clock. I think we both clocked in around twenty five hours, give or take. Um, I think I was even, at twenty seven. I mean, very candid. Like we both barely beat this game in time for the podcast. We, <laughs> this is a very very dense game, and I remember I was talking to you about it, like just talking about like kind of where you're at, um, and you're thinking you're at the end of it. So like I had actually already gotten closer to the end, and. Lucas is like, oh yeah, I'm at the end. I just got like one final choice to make. And then I ended up spoiling something from him. And he wasn't even close to the end we found out, which is good. So like how dense this game is and how huge it is, which is why I really want to emphasize as well. If you are going to play this game, um, don't play it for a podcast. Don't don't play it for a podcast. (laughs) Um, And if you do play it for a podcast, have many, many, have at least a month of stuff in advance that you already have set up for it. Um, or have like pre-recorded stuff so you can play this game uninhibited. Um, cause Lucas and I both could have easily spent another 20 hours in this game, another 25, I think. Um, easily, easily. I, I, I did my best because of time constraints to stick to the main quest line. And even doing that, um, I still ended up putting like 25 hours into the game, uh, while still only doing a little bit of extra stuff here and there. So very, yeah. very dense game, very fun game to be sure but incredibly dense um, and very, yeah, very 
Incredible. Um, we can get more into that, but Lucas, I want to hear, oh, before we get into the first impressions, actually, I also want to mention um, another podcast favorite that you've may have mentioned a few times, but this was largely influenced by other, you know, giant CRPGs like Planescape Torment, um, as well as TV shows, including The Wire. So pretty. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah, sick. Pretty, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Have you seen The pretty Wire? interesting. I have not, but I have heard very good things about it. Yeah, I, I've only seen season one and two of The Wire, and um, I know season three and four, or whatever, are the best seasons uh, for those of you that are screaming at your podcast device right now. <laughs> um, but I mean, I do know the legacy of The Wire, and I'm familiar with the characters, and I could totally see how how this was inspired by that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, Lucas, give me give me your first impressions of this game. Yeah. So, initial thoughts. Um, cool game. Badass game, unique game. Probably the most unique one we've done for the pod so far. I mean, um, just the opening and, is like, what the hell, right? Yeah, I know. I just did. I didn't know what to expect at all. So, some context here is um, I first heard about this game actually from the homie Jeff, aka False Knight, in uh, the Discord server. Shout out to uh, False Knight. I doubt that he'll listen to this because he's still playing through the game. Um, so he, it might be a little bit while. It, it might be a while before he actually ends up getting around to listening to this, but. I mean, I knew that the game was inspired um, at the time of... It's been on the list for a long time. Like, I I feel like Disco Elysium has been out for several years, and it's kind of always been sort of in the corner of my mind as a game that existed and needed to get played. I had that, That's as far as my extent of it, my knowledge went. And then Matt came to me and he, and he said, hey, this actually inspired... It's very heavily inspired by Planescape Torment, which is another game that I've actually tried to play through on multiple occasions. Um, Planescape Torment has a huge legacy as being an insane, long RPG game, very similar to this one, top-down, sort of Diablo-style 90s PC game. And Planescape Torment has been on our podcast list since since we started the podcast over a year ago. So, yeah. I, I, you know, Disco Elysium was a really great like choice, I feel, because it seems like a modern rendition of a game like that. You know, a very dialogue-heavy, choice-driven, story-driven um, sort of mystery game, right? And Planescape Torment, they even actually kind of start the same. Planescape Torment, your main character wakes up with amnesia. The conceit of that game, um, very close. You know, it's funny, like, I mean, you both wake up with amnesia. That's like kind of one of the big parallels. And they both start with like a central mystery that's presented to you at the very beginning. Um, Planescape Torment, the mystery is that you're just an immortal being that has been alive for so long you don't you don't know why you're immortal anymore that's sort of the concept of that game and then the the idea of disco elysium is that you're a detective that wakes up and for even forgot because he's been on a drunken binge for so many days (laughs) you forgot that you're a detective and then you have to slowly recover your past who you your name becomes like a central point takes forever just to learn your name it's pretty crazy insane um and not only learn your name but like get briefed on the situation uh learn who died why they died um the characters involved it's there's a lot going on um and it was it was just cool to kind of i've played probably the first 10 hours of Planescape Torment on a couple of occasions. It was great because I felt like I already had the mechanics of pointing and clicking, dialogue, and all that talking down. But other than that, I had no idea what Disco Elysium was going to be about. I didn't know the world. I didn't really know that it was even set in the future. I didn't. I thought it was on Earth until like Matt told <laughs> me that it wasn't. I was like, oh yeah, it's cool. It's like 
like a heavy, like super future version of Earth. It's pretty crazy. And Matt was like, dude, it's not. It's not even on Earth. Um, From what I can tell, unless Elysium, maybe maybe they changed the name at some point. Of you know? Earth. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. But I, I love, I think my first like impressions of the game or initial thoughts is just the game the story is so massive. It's so, so, so massive. And the the thing I really like is I actually, as I've gotten older, as I've like watched more movies and shows and read more books and even played more video games, I actually have really come to like a gigantic maximalist style. Like I like when you're the, the, the author or, you know, the main director or the voice, the writer is putting as much as they possibly can into it, pouring everything into it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I've read a million, we've all read a million short stories or a collection of short stories, but it's one thing to read like a collection of an author's short stories. And it's not, another thing to read them taking themselves to the absolute limit as far as like ma massive maximalist work, you know? And Disco yeah. Elysium, there's, there's so much in it that I, you're not even, I, I feel like you're not even really meant to fully understand it like words, vocabulary, and all these timelines are dropped on you that you don't really understand. I was figuring I would understand them by the end of the game. I still don't. I'm sure there's all sorts of breakdowns that you can have. I'm sure there's all sorts of crazy videos you can watch to kind of learn about it. But I mean, that's part of the appeal, right? Is like the story is so much bigger than the plot inside the game itself. You know, there's all these interesting factions and there's like, the moral intern, there's the RCM, there's the union, there's like all the corporations that get mentioned. There's like failed businesses. There's ideas of like late stage capitalism in here and yeah. like, you know, new kind of radical communism too. There's just so many clashing themes. I, it's mind blowing actually, like talking about it now, like how much was in it. It's like, I feel like I, I played this whole game and I still, I still can't wrap my head around everything that's there. It's it's one of those things that you can spend uh, you know many many years kind of stewing on, digesting, and really chewing. Yeah, it's, it's really really cool. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, you you really summed it all up well, but it's just huge. I mean, and the game starts you off on such a weird front. Like it starts off with an internal dialogue, um, assuming while you're passed out with your what is called an I believe they call it your ancient reptilian brain and, and your limbic your system. system just like shitting on you basically with these kind of like both of their voices are like kind of intense and kind of scary um particularly the limbic system it's like very raspy um and just very off-putting and they're just kind of like breaking you down like talking about like the darkness and how you're in the abyss and it's like am I already dead is the game like over before it started yeah and it, it just it's just so intense and then you know, you wake up in this stupor. You have no idea what's going on. The game mechanics actually aren't really even explained to you that much, really. You just kind of learn as you play. And one of the first things you might end up doing is, you know, you you go to the bathroom and you check you check the mirror and you, you see this terribly ugly man in front of you. And this was actually a jump scare for me because I was so off put <laughs> when they when they showed off um, Harry for the first time. Of course, at this point, you don't even know what his name is. You don't even know who um, you are. You even know who he is and you're just learning about the game as you play and the game employs such a unique um, kind of tabletop dungeon dragons style of um, die rolling to pass checks like you would in Dungeons and Dragons. If you ever played that, we can get more of that game design. Um, but it's just it just throws so much at you so quickly and is um, just throws you into the incredible world of Elysium and the, you know, the city of Revishal. Um And 
I was just so impressed too with the beginning of the dice system. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that in video games before. And I'm sure some you sort actually of see the dice. You actually graphically yeah, see the dice. Yeah, and I'm sure some sort of um, you know other video games use some sort of very similar like system to like decide if you pass certain checks or something. But this is the only one where like you visually see everything going into it. Um, and I mean, the game too. I mean, it's such a like kind of like existentialist thing right like really just like shaping your personality and these decisions based off of who you are i'm probably doing a terrible explanation of um existentialism there but um well, basically it's, just, the, it's, it's the whole idea of like it's you know like a, a theory of approach and i'm verbatim reading this off google right now to make sure i'm properly communicating it you know it's um the idea of an approach which emphasizes the existence of an individual person as a free and responsible agent, um, determining their own free will, basically. So like kind of the opposite of determinism. Is that, is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I was thinking more, you're going with the existential route of like more of the depressing approach, which it also kind of is. Um, cause it's very like individualist. It's, it's like, it's weird. I mean, the game is very, has like really strong things of individualism, while still balancing with like the communal aspect with like the union and like the Hardy boys and all that stuff. Um, but I'll get it more into yeah. that later, but continue. Yeah. And I mean, and you just throw it into this world that makes you know zero sense. And all you have is just like these very basic personality traits that will constantly talk to you and tell you what you should do in certain situations or maybe what you shouldn't do. And then at yeah. certain points you'll get conflicting personality traits and all these personality traits are based off of, um, how you set up your skills in the beginning of the game and your beginning um, stats, basically. You know, for example, there's one called um, authority. And then, you know, um, you might get a certain suggestion to do something at a certain point if you have a high enough authority. But if, you're, if your authority is too low, um, you won't actually get that suggestion and your character will just get like a line of them being like um, a wimp or something, you know? Like, yeah, it's just, it's a very... I, I think it, it it illustrates personality in a very interesting way. Yeah, um, it does. Because seeing that, like, there's these... Because for the most of the part, a lot of the game has, like, um, optional skill checks. Like, you have to click a dialogue option to roll for your skill check, whether that's authority. Or there's uh, ones, like I mentioned, the former, where you'll have, like, a mid dialogue skill check that might give you just like a little bit of insight into conversation. You can either pass or fail that, but it's not one you actually um, roll yourself. It just kind of comes up in the dialogue tree. Right. Um, and it's things like that really in my mind illustrate very well how personality actually comes out in humans as well. Because, yeah, I mean, I let's not even call it authority. Like, let's just say in a more simple um, term that we might use in today's world is just like self-esteem or confidence, right? You know, and every time you're talking to someone, every time you're having a conversation with them, right? Um, the ideas you have in that conversation, the the subconscious thoughts while they're talking to you or the conscious thoughts while they're talking to you even, and then you're, you know, intaking whatever they're saying and kind of thinking how to reply, Um the way we choose to, you know, craft those responses and those in 
and I'm talking like very in those instantaneous situations, right? Like the way we choose to craft those responses will be very much reflected with how confident of a person are we? How charismatic are we? How the eloquent speaker are we? Do we feel like we're confident enough to be able to articulate our point? Um, and based off things like that, or like a certain knowledge or like our intellect or how well our logical reasoning is, we may ourselves have multiple paths and I even realize like what's opening up to us or what isn't close to us, you know? Um, it's just a very interesting example of how personalities can influence our conversations even at a very kind of, you know, I, th I think it just applies very well. It illustrates the game very well, like how your personality influences you. And I think it can influence, it shows like maybe what some of the internal mechanisms that's going on within our head when, yeah. uh, when we're having conversations. Right. Yeah. There um, was, there was some really cool, like little moments where it's like, Oh wow. I would not have gotten that option if my authority was not that high. Right. Like that would, that was cool that like there was an authority check that like I passed and it made sense. And like I had to yell at this guy and like assert my dominance and like, yeah. because I had high yeah. authority, it may, it worked. And like, I don't know. Yeah, it is cool to see like your stats and your different things play out. And it, it gets, very, it gets so like specific and niche. Right. I mean, in let's take a game like Fallout, it's like your talking stat is just charisma. But in Disco Elysium, your talking stat is volition, um, encyclopedia, inland empire, authority. There's so much that um, goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's 24. So we should probably just kind of go back, run it back and explain to the people that yeah. don't know. There are 24 stats in this game. And they're divided into, I believe, three categories, right? That's like um, physical traits, like sort of mental traits, and like, I, I forget what this, it's like psyche, uh, physical, and one more thing. But um, I know that psyche and the other one are kind of like internal like mechanisms. So like volition, yeah. encyclopedia, like logic, and things like that. So you spec into every single time you, you level up, and you level up by working your way through dialogue trees and passing checks, you get experience to level up and then you get a skill point into one of those stats. So as you move forward, you get all these like, you just start kind of becoming like, a, oh, I'm like a very authoritarian type of person or I'm super logic oriented and I have a huge encyclopedia. So I just got the big brain and I just know everything about this world. So I, I saw this example on YouTube. This was really cool. If you, if you have high encyclopedia right away, when you wake up, you remember your your city and like where you're at quicker. You like the oh. game actually. The game actually gives you the city of Revachal. I like that. Uh, Martinez, the Union, while you're there, the murder. It gives you all of that information very quickly. But it took me forever because I was more of like a charismatic. I went for like the more charismatic role rather than like the smart, like pure intellect role. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Like. For everything does sort of eventually get revealed to you in the game, but it gets revealed to you in a different order depending on where where you kind of move your your stats. Yeah, yeah, it's um, and you know it's interesting too. You even have the option in the beginning of the game to just play as an idiot, right? You could set all your stats yeah. to one in the beginning, and like you'll be dying nonstop just instantly and like all this crazy stuff. But it really does give you the option to kind of express yourself however you want in um right. that regard. And, um, and a little bit have, of a... Sorry, I just oh. want to touch on one more thing for the audience that doesn't yeah. like know. That, so that there's two specific things too. There's your health and there's your morale in the game. Yes. So like as you're going through the dialogue trees, um, you can get yourself in a situation where you can get hurt or you can get like punched because someone doesn't like you and you'll, you'll take damage to your health 
And then if you answer a question wrong or you fail like a like a certain type of check, like for authority, your morale gets damaged. So those things will kind of wear on you and you can die. You can lose the game and kind of have to go. There's death conditions in the game, although you just kind of reload like five minutes before. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. But, um, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit more during game design. Definitely, yeah. And um, fun fact, too, about this game. I mean, because we're still kind of on first impressions, but I was so impressed that, like, basically everything in this game is voiced. Um, and another fun fact, I, because, I don't know if you knew that. this. So awesome. Um, so you and I played, like, the Final Cut Complete Edition. Um, the original game, a lot of it wasn't as, it wasn't nearly as voiced and fleshed out. A lot of, like, the internal thoughts weren't, like, fleshed out and voiced fully, so um you and i got the the full the full version on this but if we had played this a little bit sooner we're not quite have uh have had that so i thought that was kind of interesting i i heard um, that too final the final cut edition is the one that is ranked the highest pc game just as that quick uh asterisk um so you know i said that disco elysium is the highest rated game on metacritic for pc games but it is the final cut edition so i guess voice acting is really important for people yeah i mean I it, it adds so much more. Yeah, I, I, it, um, do, it does. It does add quite a bit, but I do have a small nitpick on that, perhaps later. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's dive a little bit into game design, though. Um, how how did you feel about like the rolling system, like the D and D system they used? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny. I'm a little conflicted on the rolling system now. I, I just want to just be perfectly honest. You know, I, I did love this game I, and it's going to sound like I'm being a little critical of it, but I'm just pointing out like things that I think that we all feel to a certain extent. And I mean, I found myself manipulating my save file a lot when I was playing this game for certain role <laughs> checks. I, I know that there's certain players that won't do that. I feel like I've been that kind of player before, um, like in certain game, like certain open world games like Skyrim and Fallout. You know, I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to play through the game. You know, if that guy dies, that guy dies. As long as I'm not ruining the main quest, who cares um, if I, if, you know, I'll just quick, you know, I, who cares if I kill, if I fail this side quest, right? But in this game, yeah. I found myself really wanting to get down a lot of the roles because I felt like the main rewarding system in this game is is more revelations on the story and the world, right? I didn't want to miss anything. So I was like, man, you know. I'm not doing this to get an extra weapon or take a shortcut. I'm doing this because I want to learn more about the world. So I found myself quick saving a lot and trying to learn more about stuff. I did like two big side quests through my playthrough. And I don't know. I think for me, it's it's kind of this weird thing where there's when it comes to role checks in games and things of chance, there's just the, there's the temptation to have to quick save and want to like re-roll and re-roll and re-roll. Not that there's anything innately wrong with that. I just think it's it's something to point out is that I always felt like I had a safety net when I played this game. And even when it came to like your health, like I just mentioned your health and your morale, those things didn't really matter either because you can quick save back and like there there's basically never any consequence to the game. Right. And that's why like I, I when you pointed out, sorry, I know you want to speak. <laughs> when you pointed out the visual novel thing, I kind of agree with you a little bit, right? Because like there's no failing this game. There's no yeah. like losing, right? You just kind of go through and go through and learn more and learn more and just keep going. There's no losing. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think that's just something to point out. That being said, it is awesome when I see a role was successful. And it feels great, feels great. When, I roll a natural, <laughs> when I roll a natural 12. It's like, hell yeah. And yeah. like, that's, you know, there is like a little bit of my video game, like 
voice. Like if I had a video, if I had a stat line of like 24 different specs and I had gamer right here, that, that one was like talking to me going <laughs> like, yes, roll a natural 12. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was cool. And my other thing with game design is, um, uh, choice overload. I think there's quite a bit of it in this game. I don't know if you felt that way. What do you, what do you think? Just like your journal gets filled up pretty much instantly and there's like a million leads. Did that affect you? At I all? was very overwhelmed at first with how much the journal uh, filled up and just like how much there was to explore was almost overwhelming. And again, I do want to emphasize too, like, unfortunately, even though we thought we gave ourselves enough time, Lucas and I were just very hard pressed to finish this game. Um, just kind of is what it is. And because of that, the choice was a little overwhelming, but I'm not prepared to fault the game for that personally, just because, I mean, I, I think that's just more of us being a victims of circumstance when we had to play this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can also understand it as a personal thing as well. I mean, it just depends what kind of gamer you are. Yeah. But I mean, I do think that because you're dropped into like, so here, here's what I wrote. So, there were several times where I did feel lost in the world due to the amount of freedom and like choices that I had to make. So I recognize that that's largely the point of the game for Disco, but for me, I I, I like literally wandered around aimlessly for a second. Maybe I like mean, you got so off track that you thought you were about to eat, beat the game. You weren't even close. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, I I was seriously like doing some some side quests, and I was like, okay, this has to tie into the main story somehow. But it actually didn't. Some side quests just quite literally did not tie into the main story. That actually is a nitpick of mine. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the <laughs> end of this episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, after the first day, you have like twenty leads to follow up on, and you're trying to kind of find which path to go down. And if you go down a wrong path, you kind of spend more time on some side quests that. I mean, unfortunately, do not link up with the main story in as satisfying a way as I would hope. Um, that's not to say that they're not cool. Um, there's actually this side quest where you like restore the church or whatever, and you learn about like um, her innocence, Dolores Day, and you learn about like the humanist project and humanism, and it's really cool. It's actually amazing, um, but it, it didn't really end up tying like the. There's this like sound anomaly that you're discovering within the church that doesn't really end up coming forth in a really satisfying way in my opinion and again i think it's because there's so much choice and a lot of times in games and this is something that dms really understand in like a dungeons and dragons or like a pathfinder or something is you don't want to railroad your party which is you don't want to be a dm that just tells your players and your party where to go all day right but you want to give them enough information to make them feel like they're in control with their choices so you know, take, I don't know, a great example of a video game like that's like Breath of the Wild. Although you have limitless freedom, you're always constantly steered on where to go. And you end up, like 80% of the players end up doing a specific dungeon first, even though you could theoretically go wherever you want. So I think that Disco Elysium, like the amount of freedom that you have and the people you can talk to, since you could just go wherever you want immediately, it kind of scare. it, it kind of like, not scares me, but it's kind of like, oh, well... Do I go there? And then I end up making the wrong choice because now I'm on a side quest that took me down like two hours of stuff. And <laughs> again, this it sounds like more of a criticism, I think, than it really is. I still really enjoyed those things. It's just that's uh, like kind of the uh, innate like 
sort of cursed problem with these sort of games is like I ask for all the freedom that I want in a video game and when I get it I'm like oh shit this is too much freedom <laughs> like can you can you can you tone it down a little bit king it's like it's a lot I don't know what do you think I was all for it personally I just wish I had more time to put into it and I'll probably still play it here and there after this um I don't know I I'm willing I mean some of it didn't all necessarily tie into the main story but I think a big appeal of it too is just how fleshed out and how incredibly built up this world was and this right. world of Elysium and the city of Revachal and the district of Martinez. Um, and there's just so many intricacies to explore it and get better input. Like I would talk to two old guys playing some sport, like croquet type sport cool. type thing and just learn from them about like the history and about like one guy that fought in the war with the coalition from what I got. Um, and it, you know what what the game really left me was I really wanted like a detailed lore book I could just read through rather than like piecing yeah. everything together. Um because I did my best to kind of piece everything together. Like there's a big war basically like capitalist versus communist. Um left the whole I, I think basically who, destroyed large destroyed Martinez and Revachal and Harbor, yeah. Assuming whatever their country is as well. Um, and then there's the coalition. Yeah, it was just so many different factions. I would have loved to have, I guess, a cleaner um, way to take in all that information. Um, but I think there is a clean way to take it in in the game. I also just think I was a little bit rushed to play it. But I mean, I'm always been such a big fan of, I mean, we know me. I love agency and games, right? Um, yeah. And this game definitely gives you that and definitely lets you kind of play the way you want to. So I'm all for it personally. Um, yeah. I it, know, it is good. I, undeniably overwhelming though. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, again, I do love the world a lot. Like I know I said that at the beginning. I, I loved learning about a lot of the world, but you know, this is also a mystery game. So I'm also trying to figure yeah. out who fucking killed this guy. So I'm yeah. like, when I spend two hours doing something, I, I'm naturally expecting it to tie into, okay, this is going to lead to a clue. It's going to tell me who killed this guy. And that's going to be sick when that happens. And then yeah. that doesn't end up happening. So, and again, it's it's probably like a retroactive FOMO thing because you don't really know that it's not going to pay off until you get to the ending, right? So the whole time I'm like, one of them did pay off, like the cryptozoologist thing paid off. Um, the church thing uh, and the anomaly did kind of pay off when you meet Ruby. That was pretty cool. Um, didn't pay off quite as much as I thought it would. But again, like those side quests and those individual stories are cool in a vacuum anyway. They just don't participate to the mystery, um, yeah. in, a, in the best way. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. What did What did you think of the the experience needed to level up or to get another skill point? Always being set to one hundred. Great. That was great. I really like that moving. too. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of keeps you know. I think the game would take way too long. Even if it went up by like five or ten each time, it would have taken forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's I love when games aren't subject to like inflation, you know, like um, played a lot of WoW growing up and like WoW had to solve this problem of just insane numbers getting scaled up because like everything had to keep increasing and increasing. And even like, I don't know, like not a lot of like RPGs of, are guilty of this, like single player RPGs, but I just like when something just stays consistent. I think we're heading towards that with more game design, which is cool. Um, but one last thought I do have on the on the choice overload thing is um, the thought cabinet 
and the skill tree, I did feel a little bit of choice over overload there and a little bit of overwhelming. More time obviously would have alleviated that, but I'm not quite sure if other other players really feel that way. Do you feel that way? A little bit. I really didn't dive into the skill tree too much. Also, just because I didn't want to use my points to unlock any more. Uh, or I didn't dive into the thought cabinet too much, excuse me, because I didn't want to use my points to unlock any more of the um, and thoughts, slots. You wanted I wanted more, to use them yeah. towards my skill points. I will say, though, I really liked the thought cabinet as a concept. It was like a good kind of like perk thing they had set up. Kind of similar to what we saw in uh, the phobia things we saw in Outer Worlds, where... You know, you can do this, you know, you can take this perk, but then you also get a negative in. In the same way in the thought cabinets, you know, if you pursue a certain thought, you might get plus one to your you know, suggestion, but then you might get minus one on your, you know, volition or something, right? Like it gave a lot yeah. of interesting trade-offs. And a lot of those trade-offs, you didn't even know when you were going into them necessarily, um, yeah, which I thought exactly. that was very interesting. Uh, and I do want to mention too, I was debating to put this in their game design, but it kind of falls under UX design. So went ahead and did it. Um, Anyways, I watched an interview and this guy just, uh, Robert Kurvitz, hearing him talk about the game was so incredible. This guy, you can just tell, is so smart and is such a, just put so much thought into it. Particularly uh, the UX design of the basic UI, um, like on your screen, and then the dialogue, the text, right? I know so much... So many times dialogue will just be at the center of your screen at the bottom, like in the middle. But, you know, the way he thought of it is if you do that, you're losing so much real estate, right? You're losing so much of like the main focus of the screen. So instead, um, you know, he he's he shifted everything to the side, to the right. So your whole text tree is on your right. Um, your main little, uh, all, all your dialogue are options on your right. And then I think if I remember correctly, your morale and your health are like at your bottom left, right? Yeah. Um, but like your inventory and everything, if you want to access it, is on your right as well. And it, I, don't know, I, I liked it. Man. I thought it all worked really well in the game, the design of it all. But it was just so incredible to hear him speak so passionately and be so just show how much he loved this like simple. De- what what comes off to us is probably a simple design choice, but to them is so much more meaningful, right? Um, yeah. And I think it works. I mean, I think while there is a lot of choice, I mean, I think it flows. I think it all feels very snappy. And it just, it's smooth. It works. I agree. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's a little jarring when you first boot up the game because all the dialogue and everything's on the right. And you're like, am I formatted correctly? Or like, is all, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because like, screen, yeah. it's a black screen and then it's all the dialogue on the right. And you're like, oh, it's just like how the game's going to be. And then it just, it just is what it is. You don't even feel it uh, like after that. But yeah, interesting choice. I, I completely agree. The, all the dialogue choices and all the reading is all on the right side of the screen. That That is different from most games, for sure. Yeah. So what did you think of art style? Man, I was waiting to get here. Um, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing it's art lit. style. Um, it's lit. The, the dark, it's like sort of a dark oil painting aesthetic. Um, a lot of like the, uh, we're talking about the thought cabinet stuff and all the perks you can unlock. Every single perk and thought cabinet thing has every single thought has a crazy amazing piece in it like this like insane big detailed painting with yeah. like icons and symbols and movement and dread it's like um it's a it's awesome like i was totally um fits. i listened yeah i listened to an interview on that um on that part specifically and um all the thought cabinet uh 
concept arts those all took a full year to just get fleshed out oh, um so yeah, much time went imagine. into just those yeah yeah it's they're funny. amazing like i i was actually blown away like i mean part of the joy of unlocking a thought in the thought cabinet was seeing the giant pieces of art you know and yeah like, yeah they were everything i mean it was there was one that was like a rabid dog chewing and barking at something that was surrounded by a crowd of people and like tentacles coming out. There was one of like Machiavelli, not Machiavellian, but Mazo, I forget what they call it in the game, Mazovian socioeconomics. It was like, a th there was like a thought cabinet that was like kind of communist based or it was like um, collectivism, socioeconomic stuff. And the, the drawing for the thought cabinet was like incredible. It was like a tribe of people with like masks on. It's just out of control good um and super credit to um the person who did all the art for the game or led the art team for the game who was um alexander restov and alexander is spelled like in that in that different sort of way a-l-e-k-s-a-n-d-e-r uh restov r-e-s-t-o-v um amazing amazing props uh to to going with uh art you know for for all the art that came from from that person i mean i loved it yeah absolutely absolutely incredible um here here's a fun fact i think you might like and this is credit of my cousin johnny um previously on the podcast friend, friend of the pod um they gave me this little tidbit so um the title screen of this game lucas is it's kind of like an outside perspective. You kind of get to see all of Martinez, everything that you're involved in the game from the church to the, you know, the full fishing district to where the union's at. You see everything, the whirling and rags. Um, why, why do you think that is? Um, I think it's because typically you use typically in a cityscape, you might see like the skyline first and the nice neighborhoods first and then kind of zoom out from there. But in Disco Elysium, it's sort of the opposite. Like you see like the crummy ocean first and like the dock. And then it goes all the way to the skyline. It kind of emphasizes the poverty first and then the affluency second. Is that why? So, so that could be the one reason. But um, <laughs> the main reason for what I heard was that that is meant to be the shooter, the shooter's perspective. Spoilers about to ensue oh, a little bit. That is meant to be the shooter's cool. perspective looking down on Martinez from his little island that you find him on. Because um, the whole thing on wow. his island is he just like watched everyone spoilers for the next like 30 seconds the shooter is like this washed up war veteran that's just literally been living on this island for like 20 years um just like watching the goings-on in revachol and martinez from his like sniper's nest basically and the concept art uh the title screen is basically meant to be his perspective so it's kind of cool they almost kind of like dangle the answer in front of you the whole time like he's wow. right there type of thing you know yeah um, it turns out there's a sniper everybody that's the spoiler alert that's who yeah. ends up you know doing the killing um, what did you think of that? That like, it was just some kind of like random guy at the end. No, I, I didn't like it at first. I kind of thought it was like deus ex machina in a, in a sense where it's just like, oh, it's just some sniper from like forever ago that you don't even know who it is. Like it, basically the, the main murder, the murder in the game, in your murder mystery game, that is 30 to 50 to 60 hours long is just some random guy you don't meet until the very end. And turns yeah. out he is a washed up deserter like ex-communist veteran communist party army veteran and um he's kind of a sad you know pretty sorrowful old man who watches very bitter from a very bitter watches society from afar 
and then eventually, um, you know, develops like an obsession with, um, I guess you can call her like a bourgeois um, female character in the game who you, who's one of the first people that you meet and um, d- kind of develops like an obsession with her from afar through his um, his gun's scope on his little island. And, um, you know, it's you're in like a dock. So saying it's more like a, a random little pilot, like kind of a old abandoned bunker in the dock or in like the bay, basically. So yeah. it's not like really far away, but it's kind of offshore. And he develops like an obsession with this girl. She has an affair with a militant capitalist um sort of an unchecked mercenary that was hired by um, a giant corporation. So he's like meant to represent like the capitalist. And then the female is supposed to represent like the bourgeois, right? Um, Who's like being kind of conquered by the capitalist and it drives drives him nuts until the point where the proletariat right yeah yeah exactly so he's like so i I think it ends up being really cool because he's just been this watchful kind of like sad sorrowful um passive observer of the world around him which is being like destroyed by both you know the greed of capitalism and like the unfettered violence of like the union and like kind of these great who you end up sympathizing with a little bit but like they're still like questionable right so there's sort of like both sides are kind of like not great and it's being watched by this guy who eventually takes action and ultimately it's kind of meaningless right he's like he's so old that his time is gone and he killed a guy and that's just it is what it is he admits to you it's not hard to get a confession out of him he just sort of admits it to you and that's yeah. it um and i i thought that that was a really cool choice story wise that it ends up being him um, it, it says, I think a lot more like that's when the metaphors and the analogies come full circle. That's when it's like, oh, that's what the game's about. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of deep shit going on. There's there. a lot to unpack in this game that we don't really have time to get into, to be honest. Um, I, know. I gave <laughs> I mean, a terrible I explanation of X. Yeah. I mean, there's philosophy in this game, big philosophical themes. There's big political themes. Um, I mean, there's so much to go into. Big things of the self, what makes a person. I mean, um, and we're just a gaming podcast, guys. We'll do our best. Yeah. <laughs> if you really want us to see, if you really want to hear us try and be smart, go listen to our Stanley Parable episode. Um, <laughs> we went heavy I, honestly, on that one. <laughs> this this game really, I think, should be played by anybody who's really into like literary. You know, like if anybody that reads a lot of books, I know that Johnny, a friend. If of you the love pod, books, you'll is, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, if if you're a big reader and you like big worlds and and deep themes, this is totally totally the game for you. Um, obviously, we can't dive into every single little like, I guess, metaphor or analogy or symbolism that might exist within the game. Although there is probably a lot that I'll stew on over time. Um, but I mean, we do our best, and I think that you know the main thing is that at the very end, that guy being the killer is very like appropriate at the end of the day for all the themes that were present leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Question for you. Um, if you had to cast an actor to play Harry Dubois in a movie, who would you cast? Okay. We're going to cast in 20 years. We're going to cast Robert Pattinson and it's going to be sick. It's going dire- to going to be directed by the Safties. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy, dude. Or if you want to go with right now, uh, you can do, oh man, you're really putting me on the spot here. 
Are you looking up act? Are you looking up current like fifty year old actors right now? I have two that I would use right now. I wanted to just double check the you name guys, on the second one. Not Keanu Reeves. Okay, <laughs> he'd be good though. Wants to cast. Everybody I'll give you my two Keanu right Reeves. now. Let's go. Either one, um, Chris Nolan or not Chris Nolan, uh, Christian Bale. Excuse me. Okay, I like it. Christian Bale. I mean, I can't think of any actor that can transform into like characters as well as he can. I mean, he's done so many crazy things over the years with his Dark Knight transformations to um, the Machinist to um, American playing Psycho, right? um, American no, Psycho to playing yeah. um, Dick Cheney, right? Dick Cheney in um, Vice. Um, so many incredible transformations and. My second choice was David Harbour, the guy that plays Jim Hopper in Stranger Things and more most recently played Ooh, that's um, good. Red Guardian in um right what's what was that movie? Um the most Black Widow, the most recent Marvel movie. Um gotcha. who rocked very well a Russian accent, which I don't think Harry is Russian. Um I think he's based off his last name, it sounds like he'd have more of a French right, ethnicity. French. Yeah. Um, and based off his who his coworkers you meet from his precinct. But uh, I think just for at least from the aesthetics, he could pull it off and I'm sure he could rock a decent I, decent French. I got a new one. Too. I got I got two more for you, right? Okay. Uh, they just came to mind. And they, basically because they already played Harry Dubois in True Detective season one. But Matt I still McConaughey, need to watch that. Oh Matt Oh, dude. You got yeah, you gotta watch it. Report back to me as soon as you do. Um Oh, so good, dude. True Detective season one. <laughs> Amazing. That's all my um, list. It's funny. Sure, though. My barber there's, keeps there's... recommending it to me. <laughs> your bar your barber? He's your yeah. barber's got good taste. Um, he does. No, it's it's funny. They both uh follow there's there's a lot of parallels. Um, although they might just be tropes, but sort of the sad detective that's like his wife has left him years ago and he's kind of just a drunk loser now, but he's like he's got this case that could possibly redeem him because it's like an important case. Um that's that's sort of loosely the plot of True Detective season one, although it's the plot of like a million detective shows. Yeah. Um, True Detective season one, it yeah, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson could both easily play Harry Dubois in the upcoming Disco Elysium movie, which I hope gets made very soon. Although yeah, for or an HBO prob- series, it would probably maybe. have to be. It would probably have to be an HBO series. Yeah. Because there's so much to be, unpack. Yeah. It would have to be directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve or Villeneuve. How do you oh, pronounce his familiar. last name? Arrival, right. Blade Runner. Oh, I've seen Arrival, Dude, not Blade new, Runner. The new Dune. He's doing Dune? coming up. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He's All like, right, moving on because we're running pretty late on this one. Sound design. <laughs> um, whirling in rags. Cue that music if we haven't already. That music fucking slaps. I don't, I don't know why, I just, I just fucking love it. Um, and the voice acting in this game is absolutely incredible. Everyone, every voice actor is great. There's no one I felt like that gave a poor performance. Um, so many names that I wish I knew from these people. Um, you know, throw these voice actors into any game, they deserve it. So many incredible accents, French, English, Russian. Um, loved it, loved every minute of it. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, I will say the music is pretty low-key at times, where it just feels like it's not even really there. It's more ambience. 
Um, yeah, then that's it a good point. Shines through in some really good moments. Yeah, the whirling and rags music for some reason, yeah, just fucking slaps. Like I don't know so why tight. it's like not yeah particularly complicated, and, but it's good. It, and even like the music when you're in like outside whirling rag whirling and rags and just kind of walking around, it's just like basically a trumpet hitting like a few notes. It's just like na na na. It just works. Yeah, it's just yeah, like it's okay, um it's it cool. sets the tone just very well of the game and kind of the dreary world. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, incredible job I, on all that stuff. I, I will say, yeah, like you, I mean, to echo what you said, the voice acting is crazy good. Um, I, I don't know, like these accents are incredible. It feels like they made up some accents. Like I felt like I, there were some accents that I couldn't quite place. That's why I say that where like someone like particularly like Measurehead, he sounded like South African, but also French sometimes, or like they would have certain dialectic choices for words that were like clearly a French dialect choice or something for a word, but like they would have another word in the sentence that was like not not French. It was it was just like mind blowing sometimes where I was like, man, they really invented their own world here. Like they really yeah. thought of everything. And um that was really awesome. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, all right, NPC award. This was a really tough one, actually. Yeah, this is um, I um, I'm cheating a little bit, and I gave myself a rule for this one. You can't pick Kim. You, you can pick Kim if you want. Uh, okay. Um, I'm not picking Kim just because he's obviously going to be everyone's favorite. Um, I did give myself two other characters to pick from. Um, so I'll start with this one if you're cool. But first, I got Kuno. Um, I hate Kuno, dude. I hate. <laughs> he is Kuno. the funniest. Did you do a side quest at all? I did. It was sad. So yeah, I his side quest was very sad, and yeah, I passed like the empathy check with him and everything. Um, and I don't know. And then hearing him talk about the girl that's following him around, Kuno Ness or Kuno Knees, I'm not sure how it was pronounced, but just when he got like candid with you, it was the funniest shit to me in the world. He's like, "Look, pig, that one's actually fucked up." I yeah he's like, <laughs> like she's, she's bad, fucking crazy bro. he's like she's gotta go <laughs> she's gotta go bro but just to hear him being like look i know i'm kind of fucking weird but she's actually fucking crazy like she's killed yeah. people man <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah that was actually pretty funny i forgot about i that uh, i really joined that enjoyed that and um fun fact too i don't know if you knew this and i don't know how this sequence went for you in the game but there's a point in the game where you encounter some mercenaries trying to fight the union and you intervene and based off how well your skill checks go, um, your partner at the your partner Kim Kitragi could potentially get shot. And if he does, he doesn't die, but he is like kind of like out of commission for the rest of the game. And you have the option to bring on Kuno as your partner for the rest of the game. What? Yeah. Yeah. How does how did yeah. how can Kim die? What could what could happen? How do you do that? Like he just gets uh I mean he just gets shot and then like he's like wheeled off to the hospital or something and you're just like recovering oh in your room. Oh my god, dude. And then Kuno just comes up like what's up, pig? <laughs> you know. Wow. Um, which I think that's incredible. Crazy. I was just kind of watching just some of that gameplay of him and Kuno and just Kuno going saying Kuno shit it was just funny as hell. Um and then my second character was Everett. I loved Everett. His voice actor was so good, I thought. Every time he called me Harry, I'm not even gonna try and impression. Him. Every time he called me Harry, I got goosebumps. Harry, um, Harry, <laughs> Harry, my old friend Harry. Uh, I don't know. I loved him. I thought he was so fun. Um, he's just so clearly like an asshole, but like so like a just like he's just such no, he's, clearly a politician. You know, yeah. he's really good. Um, and just like one of the funniest like one off like lines I had from him. I was just kind of talking about whatever. And my character, I just straight up asked him, like, so why are you so fat? 
And he gives you like this great answer. He's like, glad you asked. I've got type two diabetes because sugar and fat was all my mother had to give me my brother Edgar when we were kids. Then he, he wags his finger at you. Good job too, as it made me ugly. And ugly people, Harry, are much better at politics. <laughs> and oh my god, that's so good. And then wow. he even goes into like, oh yes, I don't leave this container anymore, Harry. They just they just wheel it around. It's quite fun yeah, actually. I like I like I like <laughs> that when he said that. That was pretty funny. I was like, Dang, this um, guy's dope. It's cool. Yeah, I just got like, it. He's the leader of like what's supposed to what you think is like the main enemy faction for a while because it's like oh the union like and they killed the union killed this guy like that's like the yeah, clear that's all like, the points for first, a while yeah. and you're like this guy is the leader of the union he like had a hand in this blah 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 and you, the more you talk to him the more you're like dang this guy's just like really charming and like kind of good I actually did like all the favors for him I liked him a lot he I was think, fun yeah yeah he was yeah. fun he was he was cool to work with. Um, Awesome. The good NPC awards, man. Really good. Yeah. All right. Here we are. Uh, man, okay. I I guess Kim is the default answer. I, I figured that we wouldn't be able to pick Kim. That is my first choice, but I'll, I'll give That's my fair. second choice. I'll describe. Okay. So let's let me give Kim the uh, NPC award uh place, you know, first place. And then I'll give second place to the next person. Kim is amazing. Kim is the shit. He's the greatest police detective partner ever. Like, it's just, he's so calm. He puts up with all your shit. He puts up with all your shit. He's so calm. He's so cool. He, like, sticks up for you at the end. If you, uh, he stuck up for me at the end. He is super, like, he's smart. He gives you good clues. He has good insights. But, like, he lets you kind of take the rein on, like, handling the talking to people. And it's like, when he judges you, he judges you in this really side-eye way. Like, if you say something wrong or offensive to somebody, he's just like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> he's just like hmm like it literally like that's what you hear his voice line and it's just like you don't feel like a ton of verbal judgment from kim he's like the most yeah. like passive character but he also ends up playing some crazy roles like in that gunfight when the union like has the gunfight with the uh mercenaries like kim pulled through dude he like sh- and oh, they made him God, so human amazing. too like i love um, because he has to basically make this incredible shot to like take out this guy with his very heavy helmet on. He has to basically shoot between like the eye slits, I think is what it happened. Um, I love like right before he takes a shot, they just add this audible little him saying, Please God. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. And, and even leaning like, up he, to it, he's like so clearly like afraid. He's like, Yeah, I kind of hope like with any luck, only one of us is gonna die here. Like Yeah. yeah. He says he's he says something before you enter that fight where he says, like, my number one priority is not dying right now. He's like, I don't yeah. care. Like, we'll do what you want to do, but like, we we got to not die. And then I chose to kind of be the hero, and like, he followed along. But yeah. my second, so I love Kim. Everybody, you know, everybody probably loves Kim that played the game. My second NPC awards gonna go to the pigs. The pigs is pigs awesome. Sick. The the pigs is actually really cool commentary. It's like meta commentary on Harry Dubois himself, where like the pigs is this this like crazy, like degenerate person that thinks they're a cop they're like a total parody of a cop that's the first time i think i saw kim bust out his gun and he was like put the gun down like that's when he actually like looked like a real cop he was like yeah put the gun down and like busted it busted his out and he like he had this like pose like his character animation was like it's cool he's like steadying his gun on his arm at the same time too yeah yeah i I noticed that i was like dang man this is like this is sick it's like this feels like a real cop standoff right now and like kim is like being a tough guy you know and i don't know but the pigs i think was really awesome because you don't even end up learning their real name until later 
and they're just like totally a commentary on like the whole like cop thing like they are called yeah. the pigs right and like they there's basically for those of you that haven't played it's just this crazy woman who just thinks she's a cop and has like all this police gear on that she kind of stole or bought from the pawn shop or whatever and she found your gun and she's just like parodying a cop and she's like has a siren on a megaphone and some like blue red spinning lights yeah and it's just insanity like when you meet her she's just crazy and um it was fun to interact with her and like see what the you know what what the writers are trying to say there. I think it was just like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, make it fun of me. Yeah, I'm she was just super you know, fun. Pig. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good choice. All right. All right. Companion um, piece pick. This was a hard this one for a, me. This was actually It's hard because I always want to... Well, it's hard for me because a lot of the games we play, I always want to go back to Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, I didn't this time, but um, let me let me hear yours first. Yeah, so um, I got I got two sort of. Um, I first of all, I just want to recommend everybody look up the art of Alexander Restov, who did the art for Disco Elysium. Google him; you'll find his site and look up all of his art. I would count that as a great companion piece pick. Um, and then any art books. This is my my primary companion piece pick. Any art books by Simon Stallenhag. Um, he's a Swedish concept artist. Well, he's a concept artist and like author. Um, he is amazing. If you just look him up, Matt, you'll like be you'll go down the. Give me their name hole. one more time. Simon Stallenhag, um, and it has the A with like the circle over it, like Swedish oh, names yeah, have. See, yeah. Um, he's got some really really cool books. He's got this book I've been ha- have had have had my eyes on for a while called Things from the Flood. Um, and yeah, just cool like sci-fi concept art and like story and world building stuff reminds me very much of Disco Elysium subject matter. Cool, I'm into it. Visually, check it out for sure. Yeah. All right, what you got? Um, I I was really fine having trouble thinking of a good one to nail down for this, but I went with uh, well, I went with two as well. I went with Seven by David Fincher. Nice. Um, just like a really intense detective movie. Not really like personality wise relating to Disco Elysium at all, but just a really good detective movie. Very intense, very dark. Um, and then the second one I went with was Knives Out. Have you seen that one yet, Lucas? That movie? <sighs> yes, love Knives Out. I just watched it like, um, recently, actually. Yeah, the I forget the main actor. He's a huge actor, but the guy that plays the main detective is just so... Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, yeah. And they're um, both his, like his, French his... Renoir. He's yeah, like, his uh, character in that is so funny. Um, yeah. And he's just so clearly like this wacky guy that like for some reason is really good at his job. Even though he's, he's, he just seems like an idiot, kind of. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that. <laughs> so those, uh, those were my two. Um, I love I love in Knives Out where he's like, there's a donut shaped hole Holy. in the middle, <laughs> but there's a donut. donut. He just keeps saying donut <laughs> for some reason. It's, it's incredible. It's his fucking obsession. They're coming out with a sequel too, which I'm really excited yes. about. Yes. He's uh, reprising his role, taking on a new case, I believe. Um, all right. Cool. Favorite moment, Lucas, laid on me. All right. At the very end, when you see the cryptid, the insolid mantis or whatever. Um, the insolid like and phasmid. Insolid in phasmid. It's like a giant praying yeah. mantis that looks like reeds in the water. Um, I loved this part. I think there's a lot to be said about it from like a metaphor, like sort of if you want to analyze it like very deep. Um, there is a, a check that I failed where you have psychic communication with the mantis, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and the, But I, I actually just got to the point where the mantis ran off when I tried to approach it. 
Um, I think this is a point where the game actually kind of zooms out on itself a little bit because there's all this craziness. There's a murder. You have a complicated past. You're depressed. You're, you have anxieties and you're a drunk. You're an alcoholic. You're addicted to all these drugs. Class warfare, bourgeois, uh, the communists, the pigs, all this crazy stuff is happening. You find the murderer and you're interrupted by a fantastic, you know, quote, magical creature, like a, a cryptid, literally. And I put, ma I say magic in quotes there, but like, I think that's the- It feels kind of magical. Yeah. It feels, ma I think it's meant to be like the, if there's any magic in the game, it's in that, that creature that shows up and it shows up at the perfect time to kind of interrupt you. And I think it's kind of meant to like zoom you out a little bit as an observer and say, Hey, like there is a little bit of magic here, despite what's going on. Right. And it kind of runs away. It's like very elusive. It just kind of, for me, it just disappeared. And, you know, it, it kind of felt random when I first saw it. I was like, that's weird. And then I thought about it and I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, I think I see what's trying to be said here. And I actually really dig the message. Um, yeah. So I love that. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's more of a retroactive like favorite moment, but it's it's pretty sick. But yeah, that, actually, I had two as well as I couldn't pick. That was one of them. Um, I didn't even get to. Yeah, I, I didn't pass like the check to talk to it or anything, but I did go on YouTube and I listened to a lot of the conversation with it. And this creature is just like adorable. Like we got to protect it at all costs. Like it's so pure and just <laughs> I really enjoyed um, hearing what it had to say. And then so I loved all that. And then I love it. I fucking loved the standoff with the mercenaries getting to see everyone in action and just kind of like the intensity of it awesome. all. Um, super cool, like a lot of building up to that moment, kind of like everything kind of going down, like in the worst possible way that you were trying to avoid like a war, basically. Uh, super awesome, super fun to see, seeing Kim be a badass. Even if you pass your skill checks, you get to be a badass. It's so funny too. like there's one like you get shot at twice in that fight, I believe. So the second one is incredibly hard to pass that skill check. I don't even know if you can unless you're like a perfect 12. And then the first one's like a pretty reasonable, depending on how good your reaction speed is to pass it, to dodge the first shot. And your character, like just the options it gives you to say after is like, it's like something akin to like, huh, I'm a god. Like, like yeah, yeah, that was one. Yeah, yeah, that was one. Something like that. And um, just like the ridiculousness of that situation. And then like, even after you do get shot, you still have the option to try and help Kim make sure he doesn't get shot. I loved it all. Super fun. Um, moving into nitpicks. Um, I just got one. I, I mean, I got one, one and a half, maybe. I don't know. I, for me, do you want to go first? Yeah, I only had one big one, really. Just sometimes I felt like time took too long to pass. Um, mm -hmm. Like I found myself just rereading a book because I needed to be like, you know, certain time. And granted, I also will acknowledge that like, had I had more time to play this game, maybe instead of just trying to like burn through the time. I would have just gone down like a fun side quest or something instead. But because I was so hard pressed to beat this game, I needed to like make sure I was passing time as fast as I could really. Cause there's certain parts in the game. You just, I mean, you can't even access like half the map until day three in the game. Um, so that, that's my only real critique. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I feel that a little bit. Um, I, I did end up reading books to pass time and kind of was what it was. Um, I felt that it was like, a, a, at least they had it in there. Right, at least you didn't have to just like wait. <laughs> to clarify to everyone, we mean, we mean literally in the game, like you have the option to read a book or you can play a board game as well. And both those actions pass time in the game much quicker than it would be if you're just um, standing there idle. Mm -hmm. um, my my nitpick, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a nitpick, but 
I Harry Dubois is like as a protagonist. I think it's a little like it's a little like strange how it's you. You are basically forming his opinions, but his past has already been written for you, um, including his name and who he is. And basically, like you're given a character who already has a very established story. And then you're asked to kind of create his like political beliefs and like what he believes in as you like move forward. Right. And like you decide if you're like a communist, you decide if you're on the side of the capitalist pigs or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you, I don't know. It feels a little weird to like, feels like a little cognitive dissonance where you have a character that's already built and now you have to like rebuild him a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I know he lost his memory and that's like the main mechanic of me, like, him him like discovering who he is maybe but like it's also a little like i don't know i it it's a hard problem to solve that's why i'm not sure if it's quite a nitpick but it just makes it very um he's supposed to be the vessel for you right because you can just do it you could be whatever kind of detective that you want but he's already an established character yeah the past so He's already a sad boy. He's already like depressed and alcoholic. <laughs> so it's like, I would have not, if I could decide whatever you wanted to be, I would have decided for him not to be that. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's just a weird like problem that I think these kind of games have. And I think I felt it a little bit mentally when I was playing where I was like, is Harry a communist or am I a communist? So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that. A little bit, yeah. And I, I didn't put too much weight on that personally. I still feel like I was just feeling i mean you're feeling in like the details of his personality but yeah he does have this established history that i guess you can't really get away from but to counter that i mean they don't really give you any like prior i mean even with everything you do learn about him they don't give you any inkling into like before you picked up his character what were his political preferences or anything like that it still it totally leaves you gives you a blank canvas in that regard or like is he like the sorry cop is he the like crazy apocalypse cop superstar cop you still get to create all that at the end of the day um, yeah, I suppose so, so. We just know that yes he likes no. disco. Yeah, he yeah, just likes the, disco. <laughs> likes disco, was a gym teacher, and they became a cop. Quite the hero. Um, <laughs> all right. I don't think we have any other developers from this game, Lucas, but if there were, I'm, I sure still would play them, wouldn't you? Yeah, so playing other games from this developer, I'm down. I mean, I actually just want a whole series of games set in this universe, period. Yeah. Um, I yeah. want more games from Zaum. Uh, Robert Kurvitz, write more, write as much as you can. Please move your book or get your books translated to English. Uh, me and Matt will read them. We swear uh, we'll love them and we'll tell everybody on the pod that listens to read them. Um, yeah, everything that can be written in this world or take place in this world, I'm all for. Love it. And then, all right, yeah, I'm all for this game. Sick. And then, I mean, my final thoughts. Um, this has the Segoy of approval for me. Loved yep, it. This seal of um, approval from my only too. my only wish is that I had more time to play it. Is what it is. Yeah, want, needing more time or wishing you had more time to play a game. I think it's a good that thing. The game is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't Very wish I had so. more time to play uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. Not oh at my all. God. That was a rough. Dude, one. I, I had such a bad time playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, dude. That was so shitty. Never, never uh, again. God, never All right, again, yeah. so uh, it's time for our uh, final rating for the game. I think we've talked enough about this game. I think this, and we know how this is going to go. Um, me and Matthew will be giving this game a score out of 10 at the same time. We'll add that score up, and that is the official score out of 20, usurping all ratings everywhere, including Metacritic and IGN, perhaps? Who knows? All right, yeah. so Matt, on, on, go, on one, three, 
two, one. Nine. Nine. Yeah, All right. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, sick double game. Nine. Yeah, double nine is great. It puts us in the Naruto's Hoski zone. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, guys, this game is sick. Um, and actually, I, I think we're very much in line with like all the other major game, um, all the other major game uh, outlets Publisher, here. Yeah, publishers, um, IGN, PC Gamer, GameSpot. Everyone gave it at least. Everyone barring Destructoid pretty much gave it a nine at the very least. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will. I will caveat. You know, I think that me and you are specific types of gamers. Like, you know, you you obviously love to read. I I've always been a fan of these types of games, and I've I've played a little bit of Planescape, which is heavily inspired by this. I think this game is not for everyone, though. I will say that. Like, I think that if like, you're the if kind you're of person that likes shooters mainly, like um, you're not gonna like this game. It's just yeah. you probably will. You just flat out probably will find the game boring. Um, yeah, it's just all reading. It's all like choices and text. There's no action. I, I, you can play this game with a mouse and that's it. You don't need yeah. a keyboard. Think about that. Um, I, so, you know, it's funny that it has such a ubiquitous high rating, despite it probably not having mass appeal. Um, I'd be curious to see like a sliding scale for, you know, like the top other top games on PC for Metacritic are going to be Half-Life, Half-Life, and um, Grand Theft Auto V, right? Those two have both great ratings up there, high 90s on Metacritic, and huge, massive commercial success. Like, everybody has played, loves, and knows those games. Disco Elysium's not really going to be that game, I don't think. Yeah, it's not, like, massive appeal. I mean, it is a very... You have to, like, to read to play this game. You have to be okay with, like, really taking this world. I mean, you really got into person that your most of your free time spent gaming is like, like I mentioned, like Call of Duty or Valorant, stuff like that, or League, you're probably not going to like this game that much. But if you enjoy story, um, if you're willing to learn about a world and invest in it, then you're going to love this game. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All righty. Well, uh, I think that's all we got today, everyone. As a reminder, uh, oh, and a cool thing too, this game's coming out on Switch soon as well, so it's going to be much more accessible. Because right now it's on PC and then I think PlayStation. And it's coming out to Xbox and Switch later. Um, so it said Q3, so that should be within the next month or so, give or take. So that's cool. Very hey, excited about that. It'll be on. It'll be on the Steam Deck. And the Steam Deck when that comes out, yeah. So, um, everyone, as always, you can find us online on Instagram and Twitter, TFP Podcasts. Um, that's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end, and on TikTok as well at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. Feel free to shoot us an email. Thanks for playing Pod at gmail.com. Um, and if you want to hang out with your good buddy Matt, you can find me on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. And as always, um, come hang out on our Discord channel. We got a fun little community there. People chat, talk about video games, anime, whatever we're doing for the pod. You can suggest topics in there. Um, and you can find the link tree, or you can find the link to that Discord in our link tree, which is in both our Twitter and our Instagram pages. Um, and as well, we recently launched a website. Pretty cool if you want to come see our faces more. Uh, thanks for playing live. You can find all our episodes on there. And it's just a fun little little preview of the future, hopefully, with Lucas and I hope to push this podcast to even greater heights. So again, that's thanks for playing live. Uh, Lucas, where can we find you? Honestly, you could find me on the Discord server. Um, our thanks for playing Discord. Um, I think the easiest way to get to the server um, are really our website, number one. So if you go to thanksforplaying.live, you could easily find it. If you have Instagram, it's even easier. You can go straight to 
um, the Thanks for Playing um, Instagram account. Constantly growing, constantly posting highlights on there. So there's exclusive content on the Instagram account. If you haven't followed us already, you'll definitely have a little library to go check out right now. Um, oh, yeah. Hit me up on hit me up on Discord. Um, I'm in the server. You know, we're pretty responsive in there. We got a lot of discussions, like Matt said, mostly on anime uh, lately, which is pretty cool. But um, hey, if you want to ask me my opinion on any games that I've played on the pod or any movies I've mentioned, hit me up. Let's talk. Yeah, no, it's a fun little community we got going. We can't wait to have you all join. Um, <laughs> all right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skip it a bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 